0: This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi nujia Dean. Today is Friday, December 24th. Coming up, West African food can be hard to find in Kansas City. And for Nigerians, the familiar flavors of home are especially missed around Christmas. How one woman is bringing traditional Nigerian cuisine to Kansas City. Plus, we'll hear how one student from Missouri feels about her first year attending college in person. But first, some headlines. At-home COVID-19 tests are scarce around Kansas City as the virus surges and people make plans to gather or travel for the holidays. KCUR's Carlos Moreno has more. The CDC has been recommending people take at-home COVID-19 tests before the holiday weekend to limit the spread of the coronavirus. But area pharmacies, including chains like CBS and Walgreens, report few supplies of kits on their shelves, and several were entirely sold out. Several stores say they should receive new shipments within three to four days, but they encourage customers to call about availability before coming in. This week, the Biden administration announced they plan to mail out 500 million at-home test kits for free, but those won't show up until January. Extreme winds fueled widespread grass fires across western and central Kansas last week. Now the farmers, ranchers, and communities who lost so much began to pick up the pieces. David Condos of the Kansas News Service reports. That's the sound of an excavator lowering a dead cow into a mass grave piled with burned carcasses. When a massive wildfire tore through this area, Rich Kester's Ranch in Russell County was right in the middle of it. He says the fire scorched all of his 800 acres and killed more than a third
1: of his cattle. It just went over the top of everything and burned it fast, and a lot of the cattle didn't have a chance. And see, I don't know how any of mine survived. I thought maybe, uh, I thought I wouldn't have lost all of them. It's a similar story
0: for many ranchers in this region, where fires burned over 160,000 acres and people are now focused on rebuilding. Finding the components of a West African holiday meal in Kansas City is tough. But one woman is determined to bring the smoky taste of home to Nigerians in Kansas City. KCUR's Beck Shackleford-Wanganga reports.
1: 26-year-old Amuwumi Akinjale didn't learn to cook as a kid. She attended boarding school in Nigeria. And while her mother cooked often, Akinjale wasn't around to learn. She only started when she moved to the U.S. as a college student in 2013. Akinjale says learning to cook helped with the culture shock. The first thing she remembers making meat pies turned out gross, but that didn't deter her. I
2: think I can, I can do this. It's not rocket science. So I watch a lot of YouTube videos. And most of the cooking that I learned, or most of the stuff I learned how to make, I learned myself.
1: Akinjale has been selling her food to friends at school and church for years now. A lot of them urged her to start an official business. Akinjale is pursuing a Ph.D. in pharmaceutical sciences and chemistry at UMKC. When things slowed down during the pandemic, she gave in and made catering an official side gig.
2: COVID happened and was like, this is the best
1: time. Akinjale named her business Victoria's Kitchen after her middle name and her mother's first. When she came to UMKC for her undergraduate degree in 2013, she told people to call her Victoria because she was tired of teaching people how to say her first name. Although these days, she goes by Amu or Wumi. Akinjale does most of her shopping in the river market. She says the open-air vendors remind her of home. The majority of African food Kansas City offers is Ethiopian or comes from other East African countries. According to Akinjale, though staple dishes for both East and West Africa are similar, the spices are very different. East Africans use spices like cinnamon and cloves.
0: For West
2: Africa, we cook a lot with thyme, ginger, garlic. There's some similarities, but I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cook with cinnamon.
1: Jollof rice is one of Akinjale's signature dishes. It's rich, heavily spiced, and time-consuming. She makes it by blending tomatoes, bell peppers, onions, and habaneros together to make a base, which the rice is later cooked in. Fried onions and tomato paste are added to the base, along with rice and spices. Uraro Guinea Ediago says she orders food for mac and jale once or twice a month. She says Akinjale's food reminds her of home in Nigeria.
2: Cooking is really different for everybody, like the jollof rice, for example. I would cook jollof rice, even though I follow the same procedure as Victoria, it would still come out different. So everybody's jollof rice always tastes different, but I do like her jollof rice. It's really, really good.
1: Akinjale recently catered a dinner at Ediago's home. The room was filled with mostly college students or recent graduates, a demographic Akinjali caters to often. She says there's something about being young and away from home that makes you crave familiar food.
2: Man, it's rough out here, you know, not having good food. <laughs> but I would say it's, it's just that feeling of home.
1: Akinjali's younger brother, Victor, can attest to this. He moved to Kansas City in 2018 to attend UMKC and lives with his sister in a two-bedroom apartment downtown.
2: Having moved to the United States, there's not a lot of like my cultural food, so how like being able to compliment for that goes a long way to reminding me and like remembering my
0: roots.
1: Akinjale says she hasn't visited home in more than five years, and no time of year makes her miss home as much as the Christmas season. While Akinjale says American Christmas focuses heavily on decorations and gifts, Nigerian Christmas focuses on massive group gatherings and cooking outside on an open fire.
2: It's always really nice. I really miss that about holidays back home. You just see a bunch of people sitting together, you know, cooking and chit-chatting.
1: But through her cooking, Akinjale has built a community of her own, more than 6,000 miles from her home in Lagos, Nigeria. It's a community and culture she hopes to share with more of Kansas City. For KCUR893, I'm Beck Shackelford Wangonga. Coming up, one college student's
0: transition from taking classes on Zoom in Missouri to taking classes in person in New York City. I'm Nomi Nugia Dean. This is Kansas City Today.
2: UMB private wealth management is a division of UMB Bank that tailors financial planning services to help you maximize your assets and protect your legacy. Everything we do starts with you because there is no one-size-fits-all financial planning strategy. Your UMB experience begins with us taking the time to get to know you and understand your financial goals. Then we customize a detailed yet flexible plan that helps you achieve them. At UMB, your story is always our focus. Learn more at umb.com. Slash wealth hyphen management.
0: This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Ojia Dean. Today is our final interview with a community member about how their year has gone. Faith Andrews O'Neill is a sophomore at Columbia University in New York City, but she's from Raymore. She finished her last year of high school virtually in the spring of 2020 and started college that fall, also online. In 2021, at the start of her second semester, she moved to New York. She and I talked over Zoom about what it was like to finally be on campus. What has the pandemic been like for you?
2: Um. It's been stressful. I spend a lot of time with my grandma when I'm home. So of course, just having to be really careful about like what I do and who I see when I'm in Missouri has been the hardest part for me. And then at school, of course, New York was an epicenter, so that made it tricky. But then things seemed to get a lot better when they reached 70% vaccination. And it seems like everything was going really like a lot better. And this semester, things felt like pretty normal in the beginning. I was getting weekly tested to make sure I could still access my newspaper offices. So I was able to keep an eye on it through that. And I was vaccinated and like things seemed to open up in in, an enter- in like an entertainment standpoint, which made it seem like it was what going to college in New York would be like normally, but then Omicron happened and things kind of shut back down again, at least for me and my friends. And that made it very, very stressful just being somewhere that's so like densely populated and not knowing like what, you know, steps you need to take to where you're still able to like live the life of a college student to some extent, but also keeping yourself and your loved ones safe, especially as we all went to travel home for Thanksgiving and Christmas, even though I didn't go home for Thanksgiving.
0: So you finished up high school virtually, and you also attended your first semester of college virtually. Can you sort of walk me through just last year and then this year, all of the, the back and forth that ended up happening? Oh my gosh, it's,
2: Crazy to think it's been like two years, but so yeah, my senior year of high school finished online that started in March. Like we just didn't go back to school after spring break. And then in like late March, early April, I got into Columbia over summer. They told us it would be in person. I bought my plane ticket because they, so like two weeks before we moved, they were like, no, we're going to be in person. Everything is okay. And then I bought my plane ticket the next day. And then the day after that, they were like, "Never mind, We're going to be online. So then that fall I was home, and then in the spring I applied for like special housing, and you just had to fill in an application that showed the ways that like being on campus would be more conducive to learning than being at home. And then after that I went to an all girls sleepaway camp in Western Massachusetts for eight weeks, and then I was home for two weeks, and then I went back to New York September first, and I had all in person classes except for when like sometimes there would be just like random little COVID scares. So then they would like push it all to online if a couple of people in the class tested positive. Now I'm here. And then they just announced today, they sent an email saying that our first two weeks are going to be remote, but that we are still invited back to campus, but that the classes are going to be online as people might have to like quarantine and different things depending on the Omicron outbreak. So I'm really hoping that that doesn't mean that we are going to be at home in the spring, but you know, it's
0: not looking great. So what has it been like attending college in person versus virtually? It's
2: better. I know that it's better, but it is definitely more challenging. I think online classes, you're able to be a bit lax in that. Like, you know, you're in your room, you're in pajamas. You don't have to really like get up more than a couple minutes before class starts because you can just kind of roll out of bed in your T-shirt. For me, I fixed my hair a little bit, barely even, and then go to class, especially in like big lectures where you can be camera off. There were times I would like eat lunch with my friends in the dining hall and we would just like all be in class on our phones with like one AirPod in, but not really paying attention. So in that way, it's definitely an adjustment to have to like be prepared and go to class. And I think also the course material has shifted a little bit. Like when we were completely virtual, they didn't really have tests. And if there were tests, they were open note just because they expected people to cheat. I guess, based on how like the semester before, like when I was a senior, that was a semester things went online. So how that went grade-wide, I guess there was a lot of cheating and like academic dishonesty. So instead of just cracking down on that, they made everything just kind of essay style and open note tests. So my freshman year, that was the norm. And then going back to having like so many exams and tests was definitely an adjustment and having to like figure out how my study styles work being in person has been the biggest thing. And then just getting to class on time, accounting for like walking from my dorm, which is like a block off of campus, to like a classroom that might be on the other end of campus and things like that, those are all adjustments. But I think that's like normal college life. It's just weird having to figure it out as a sophomore instead of a freshman.
0: What are some differences you've noticed between how New York and Missouri have handled the pandemic?
2: Um, yeah. So the first thing, of course, with Omicron, it's scary now because of all the breakthrough cases, but in general, I did feel a lot safer in New York due to the higher vaccine rates. Like they reached 70% vaccination in June right before I left. So I felt a little bit more comfortable like going out than maybe I would here. Also, there's the requirement, like every time you go anywhere, there's a vaccine mandate. So Like for indoor dining or anything like that, you have to show proof of vaccination before entering any space that's like indoors where you might not wear a mask. So that's made things feel a lot safer. Columbia, as a university, reached 100% vaccination like earlier in the semester too. So that made like gathering with people on campus also feel a lot safer. And then there's just like mask mandates. So when you're walking places, like, of course, outdoors, maybe not. But when you're on transit, pretty much everyone has on masks. When you're like shopping in stores, pretty much everyone has on masks. So it does feel like you're less likely to catch it and then transmit it there versus here.
0: Was it surprising to you how different it is here and and how relatively few people are wearing masks here? No, I don't think it's surprising just because I did, you know,
2: grow up here and like the political leanings of myself and my family and the way that we choose to navigate the pandemic, I think are an exception. And that's something that I knew. I saw the messaging just as like someone who was invested in politics. I think seeing how it was politicized, even really early on, seeing how they like stigmatized it and tried to place blame on like Chinese Americans and all these things showed like from the beginning of the first lockdown that it was going to become a political issue. And then seeing people like protesting mask mandates and saying that vaccine mandates are like a violation of our constitutional rights and all these things But I'm not like surprised that this is how people are acting here. It's disappointing, but it checks out for the political alignments of the area.
0: What does the next year look like for you?
2: I don't know, like keep my grades good. (laughs) Start thinking about what I actually want to do post-grad because this time next year I'll be in my junior fall and that's like LSAT studying season time. So figuring out if that's what I would like to do. Mostly just like figuring out what I want to do with the rest of my life,
0: I guess, which is a bit terrifying to think about. All right. Well, thank you so much, Faith. I really enjoyed this conversation. Oh, yeah. Thank you. That was Columbia University sophomore Faith Andrews O'Neill. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast was produced by Byron Love and Trevor Grandin and edited by Gabe Rosenberg. To read Beck's story about Nigerian food in Kansas City, visit kcur.org, where you can also find a live stream of Kansas City's NPR station. If you like our show, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast app or leave us a voicemail at 816-235-8930 with your thoughts. We'll be taking next week off but we'll return in the new year. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on January 3rd.